Yes. Matthew 121 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that we can come together during this wonderful time of the year. And Father, I pray that we can just exude joy and that we can share that joy with others and we can show it to you. Father, we're here to worship Jesus and we're thankful for that opportunity. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good, morning. good to see everybody today. Almost Merry Christmas. Uh, hopefully we'll see you this evening at our Christmas Eve service too. It'll be really good. They put a lot of work into that. Before uh, we continue this morning, please make sure you fill out your connection card. If you're watching online, we ask that you do the same so we can keep in contact with you. And also before we start singing again, <laughs> get three minutes to go say hello. Please say something to someone you haven't seen or you don't know. So there you go.
has. Actually, on the screen, I told him I was going to put the mini Schofields. Let's try this again. There we go. Somebody left one on still. Let's see. There it is. It's like a treasure chest here. All right. We're a day away from Christmas. I know a lot of y'all were saying Merry Christmas because you're not going to see each other tomorrow, but it's coming up tomorrow. And I know there's a lot of excitement and a lot of anticipation because of the gifts that are waiting for people under the tree, particularly kids, man. They're, they're probably going nuts right now. Thinking, What's, what Santa Claus bring me? Well, imagine a time when there was no Christmas. Imagine a time you couldn't say that Jesus is the reason for the season because there was no season to celebrate. Well, today we're at the conclusion of our Comfort and Joy series, and the foundation of this message has come to us from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. When Isaiah was given a message from God at that time, there was definitely no Christmas. The nation was a mess. The people were longing for change. The people were longing for the Messiah to come. Through the book of Isaiah, the prophet delivered a great deal of bad news to the people. However, that tone changed when he hit chapter 40. He, just, he, he brought a message of hope. 
I often wonder what was running through the minds of the prophets when God gave them a message. I mean, and it wasn't always comfort and joy. It was like, bad things are going to happen. You dudes need to repent, turn or burn. I mean, it was hardcore many times. And people didn't like those prophets because people don't like to hear that. They don't want to hear that things aren't going well. Imagine being in Isaiah's shoes when God was giving him the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. It was just bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. Warning people, you need to change. Bad things are coming. See, Isaiah saw it coming. He saw what was going to happen immediately, and he saw what was going to happen 700 and some years later. I'm sure that the burden on the hearts of the prophets was very heavy. Because unless you're kind of weird, you typically we don't like to deliver bad news to people. But chapter 40 is that turning point in the mess, in break, with the message of hope. The tricky part was this, the wait. How many of you open all your gifts before Christmas? Any of you? Yeah, yeah. And then, see, in my house when I was growing up, you didn't open anything until Christmas Day. But then in my house with my daughters, well, let's open one on Christmas Eve. You know, the wait is difficult. And wait is what they had to do. Decades passed. Centuries passed. And it seemed like God wasn't being faithful. But then something changed. In Mark chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Last week we looked at the joy of the shepherds experienced when the angel of the Lord came and told them what was going to happen. Over 700 years of waiting was over. It was like Christmas Eve for 700 years waiting to be able to open that gift. The fulfillment began with the birth of Jesus, which the angels told the shepherds. Jesus, the only Son of God, the one and only, there are no other. The greatest gift that we can ever receive in life begins with that birth. We've talked about this before, but many times when we start to talk to other people about Jesus, it can get uncomfortable quickly. People, however, excuse me, they get uncomfortable, but however, when you start talking about Christmas and a baby in a manger, really not too many folks get worked up about that. Some people might say, I don't believe that, but they, you don't get people nervous talking about that baby in the manger. Why does it go down this way? Well, for one thing, a baby's not a threat, unless you're Herod and you think he is. But adult Jesus threatens everything that we've lived for, every thought we've had, every purpose we've had, every motivation we had. Adult Jesus challenges those things. That's when we get uncomfortable. When we start getting our value system, our way of life challenged, particularly challenged to change, it's difficult. And in defense, we recoil. And in defense, we put up a fight, but we don't fight over the little baby. Today, we're going to examine something. We're going to examine what Isaiah saw coming and why it is significant for us today. The big idea to the message is this, that Isaiah foreshadowed John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. And so let's begin with Isaiah chapter, four, uh, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. It says this, A voice cries out in the wilderness, Clear the way for the Lord. Build a level road. Through the, rift, through the rift valley for our God. <clears throat> so the first thing we're going to look at this morning is the prophecy. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, and actually that whole passage foretells a remarkable prophecy, revealing God's plan for the coming of a messenger who is going to prepare the way for the Lord. Isaiah is speaking of Jesus, and he's also speaking of John the Baptist. When he talks about, he talks about clearing the way, and what we do is when people, this is what people would do when they were going to have somebody of honor come, for, come, come before them. What they would do is they would announce that person. They would have a herald come into town and say, hey, so-and-so's coming to town, get ready. If you go to a sports event and, and they announce the players before the game starts, they'll say, number 22, so-and-so, and, -so. and the crowd's going crazy or they're booing depending on what's going on. But the home announcers, and they don't ever just say, number 10, Joe Jones. You know, they really play it up, man. And they just, if you ever seen a Knight's Tale, I love the way that guy was announcing Heath Ledger. That was just awesome. I told Jerry we need to have one of those when he preaches, just to announce him. But 
But when, the, when that number gets called out, man, there's applause. Another way that you may see, another way, uh, another way you may see someone prepare for somebody by spe- uh, that has special honor is you actually prepare for them coming to your home. A respected member of the community will announce the great deeds that person has done to prepare the audience for that great person coming in. See, God didn't send his son without an announcement. He didn't just say, oh, here he is. But through the, through the shepherds last week, he made that announcement. And later on, through John the Baptist. The prophecy from Isaiah holds a significant meaning to us today because it speaks to God's faithfulness, his redemptive plan, and the fact that we need to prepare our hearts for his arrival. Isaiah's prophecy reminds us that God's faithful to his promises. Now, if you're living during the days of Isaiah and you're seeing all this stuff unfold that Isaiah predicted, you've got to be thinking, well, where's this Messiah? God can't be here. He can't be. He, he, it's not true. But throughout history, God has fulfilled his word. And as a, when I became, before I became a Christian and started reading the Bible, one of the th- or when I started reading the Bible, one of the things I noticed is how accurate to history everything is in Scripture. And it just amazed me. Just as God sent a messenger to prepare the way for Jesus, he was fulfilling his promise to send that Savior. Clear back 700 and some years before it happened, of course it goes back further, but the exact prophecy from Isaiah. The assurance of God's faithfulness, because even though the timing wasn't the way the people wanted it, God had his timing. And when we, have, when we know that God is faithful, it brings us hope. It strengthens our trust in him, even in uncertain times. See, sometimes we end up questioning God's faithfulness. And the reason that we do is because of timing. Because God's timing is not the same as mine. We're, we're wanting things done our way when we want it how we want it. And when that doesn't happen, we get discouraged. I imagine the people of Isaiah's time, they had to feel somewhat let down. Because they're like, okay, Isaiah, you've given us this great message. That deliverer is coming. Remember, that deliverer to them was somebody who was going to come and free them politically. And it hadn't happened yet, much less a Messiah. So they had to be discouraged. But God is faithful. If he promised it, it'll be done, both good and bad. Isaiah's prophecy points out God's redemptive plan. All that started as Isaiah looked through the centuries as God was giving him the word. He saw what was coming. The messenger mentioned here prepares the way for the Lord, paving the path for salvation and reconciliation between God and humanity. This prophecy was fulfilled in John the Baptist as he prepared the way for the ministry of Jesus, for Jesus to share his ultimate redemptive plan. Through Christ, we find forgiveness, we find restoration, we find eternal life. And it all begins with that manger. It all begins with that birth that Isaiah saw so many centuries before it actually happened. And remember what I told you about the book of Isaiah liberal, if you will, scholars say, well, he couldn't have written that because the the predictions are too precise. There's no way he could have. And of course, the Dead Sea Scrolls prove that to be wrong. But the fact of the matter is God gave Isaiah this message. Isaiah was able to see what was coming. He saw it coming. And as he's writing all this doom and gloom and all this stuff, hey, you're going to go into captivity here. You're going to go into captivity. You guys are being terrible. It had to really lighten his burden to know that, you know what, it's not going to end this way. It's not going to end this way. And he had that joyful message. But there's also a call to prepare. John the Baptist came to prepare people's hearts. The figures used of a royal road, of royal road builders who were smoothing the path so when a king came through, he wouldn't be going like he is on Fry Boulevard. You know, that thing's so bumpy, my cell phone will be bouncing on the thing and the phone thinks there's something wrong. I'm like, come on, let's fix that. But anyway, they're supposedly going to do that. But what they would do, of course, they didn't have paved roads like we have, so they would have builders, slave labor, come through and fix the road. So when the king's in his little chariot or whatever he's in, it's nice and smooth for him. And so this is what John was doing. The result of the preparatory message was to bring glory to God. And so when Jesus came, they had an idea, hey, something's got to change. Isaiah's prophecy calls us also to be prepared, to prepare our hearts to prepare our lives for Jesus. Remember last week we talked about how people a lot of times will reject the message because we haven't prepared them. We just throw it all at them at once and we wonder like, whoa, what what is this? We have to do preparation. John the Baptist prepared the way physically and he also prepared the way emotionally and spiritually. 
we have to examine our lives. This is one of the reasons so uncomfortable. That baby in a manger, oh, he's so cute. You know, we all think of a little baby kicking and, you know, the little Lord, the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head, you know. Uh, we, we don't, that's what we think of. But when we start realizing that that, that leads to something more, it calls us to examine our lives because adult Jesus makes you do that. It brings us to the point where we have to say, what is my life about? What's going to happen when this life's over? And then I have to decide, am I going to repent? Am I going to align myself with his purposes? We have to cultivate a heart of humility, a heart of worship, and a heart of anticipation as we anticipate what's coming. The gospel did not unfold according to uninspired men, but according to the plan of God. God inspired the preaching that John would do, John the Baptist, and his message had a purpose. So let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It says this, As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. The voice of the one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. So we have the purpose. See, Isaiah's prophecy talks about one who's going to prepare that way. The Gospel of Mark is the story of God fulfilling his promises of the coming Messiah of the kingdom and the kingdom of God. This is basically what the Gospel of Mark is about. In Mark chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he references directly Isaiah's prophecy and says, here it is. Isaiah saw it. Now you get to experience it. This passage reveals that Jesus was not some merely a random occurrence, but a fulfillment of divine purpose. Understanding this purpose can help transform our perspective and ignite a more profound passion for following him. When we understand who he is, when we understand that he wasn't just some religion, some science fiction writer made up or whatever, that we know that, like, like, look at this, look at all the things that were written hundreds of years before he came, and he's fulfilled every single one of them. And when we get it into our hearts, who he is, it changes who we are. Because it's no longer a game, it's no longer just a religion, it's a way of life. Jesus is who we become, and it all started in that manger. Without that manger, we don't have any of that. Mark tells us that John was the one that Isaiah spoke of in his, pro in his prophecy. John was the cousin of Jesus. He's about six months older, and if you want to read about him, you should look in the Gospels and see about how his birth, it was very interesting. But the, evan but the evangelists identified the preparatory message that John was going to give. This figure is used to that, of, like I said, of a royal road builder who is smoothing the paths so the king's journey would be easier. And that's what John's job was. And that's what our job is. We are kind of like John the Baptist, that we are supposed to help prepare people's hearts for the coming of the king. This work is aimed at making people aware of their need for redemption, the, the need for them to turn their hearts to God, to create an openness to receive Jesus as that long-awaited Messiah. As I mentioned earlier, people need to be prepared for that message. You can't just dump it on them and expect them to jump on it. John was preparing the world for Jesus to come into the scene, to come into this world. The world had waited thousands of years for the Lamb who would take away the sins of the world. They waited and waited and waited. And sometimes people will say today, well, the Bible says Jesus is coming back. It's been 2,000 years. What's the deal? It's God's timing. And just remember, when he comes back, it's over. And so your friends and family that you know who are lost, they will stay lost so you need to take advantage of the time that you have as we have it. Because one of two things is going to happen. One, we're going to leave this earth and it's over and we go to be with the Lord. Or number two, he's going to come back and where we are is where we are. So our message is so important and we have to spend time preparing people. It's not just about that baby in the manger, but that baby in the manger is that vehicle that can help us tell people more about our Lord and Savior. Israel had read this promise from Isaiah for hundreds of years thinking and they thought well you know that messiah is going to come make things right and during the days that jesus came man it, there was a real fervor they wanted out from rome so bad they were looking for that deliverer that military leader that was going to take them out from under rome jesus started his ministry and when he started his ministry people were excitement with anticipation part of that was because john the baptist had been laying down that groundwork they were waiting for god to do a great work Preparation is vital before somebody's going to accept Jesus. When we tell them the story of Christmas, that's an awesome foundation 
but then we have to give them the rest of the story. When you're going to host people in your home, typically, most people, I've been around some that don't, they usually prepare for the visit. Some people meticulously, they go crazy getting things prepared. We shop, we clean, we cook, and we clean, and we clean, and then we clean, and then we clean, and then we clean, and then we clean. So everything is perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, anyway, uh, we do these things because we want to be prepared for the guests. The people of Israel, as I said before, had misconceptions about the Messiah. Part of John's preparatory mission was to make sure those misconceptions were cleared up and to help open the people's hearts to hearing the message. This is one of the beauties of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. It does open up doors. The question is, are we going to walk through them? Are we going to, if you will, take advantage of those opportunities to say, hey, yeah, we're going to celebrate the birth of this child, but let me tell you more about this child, what happened when he grew up and how things changed. One of the most difficult one of the most difficult things we face is getting people's attention so they can listen because there's so much going on. Heck, getting people out of their phones is an amazing feat, but it's hard to get people's attention. See, John got people's attention. He had large crowds and people listened to his words. They were enamored with his appearance and he used that to his advantage. John was not a boring speaker. He didn't say, okay, I'm gonna tell you about the kingdom of God. Hope you hope you'll listen. You know you really need to change. And no, he was dynamic. And not only was he dynamic, he was unafraid. He was taking on the powers to be without fear, and it eventually cost him his life. But he knew his mission. John's part of the mission was also part of the fulfilled prophecy from Isaiah. Mark highlights how Jesus fulfilled prophecy spoken by Isaiah, and by quoting the words of Isaiah, he emphasizes that Jesus was that long-awaited Messiah fulfilling God's plan. The fulfillment demonstrate God, demonstrates God's words trust, trustworthiness and his faithfulness to bring his promises to pass. And I know many times it's, you know, you're going through something difficult in life and you're like, man, I know God promised me this and this and this. It doesn't seem to be happening. He's not with me, but he is. And sometimes we misunderstand what the promise is a little bit too. The promise isn't that we're going to have a perfect life that everything's going to be healthy and wealthy. We live on this, in this world that's very difficult. Jesus faced those difficulties himself. Even as a child, they were on the run because of Herod. God has a purpose for our lives. He has a purpose for your life. He's faithful to help you commit to complete that purpose, and it'll be fulfilled in God's timing. Jesus' coming was, re was, was revealing God's salvation to humanity. That birth that Isaiah saw, when he saw it coming, it wasn't just about, oh, look at the cute little baby, but everything that was going to follow. And that birth is the key that begins it all. Jesus came to bring forgiveness, healing, restoration, eternal life. Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, it all embodied God's love, his mercy, his grace, and it also satisfied his justice. Through the sacrifice, we can have redemption and reconciliation to God. I know when I didn't have those things in my life, my life was a lot different. And I bet for those who have given your lives, your lives were different also. It's just something about it was so different. You look at life in such a different way. Jesus came to bridge the gap between humanity and, between, and, and God, delivering us and restoring our relationship with the God who created us, who knew you when you were in your mother's womb. Let's move to verse four. In the wilderness, John the baptizer began preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So Isaiah gives, and, and, John, and Mark gives us the message. Have you ever received a gift you were really excited about? I mean, you've been wanting it, and you knew it was coming, and you opened it, but on the other side, if you ever received a gift, you're like, I don't want this. I'm like, are you serious? A Cubs shirt? Ew. I don't even think I can. Oh, it's horrible. I don't know why anybody would want one of those. But when you get that gift, what is the difference in your reaction? What is the difference of your internal response of receiving a gift that you didn't want or need versus one you were dying to have? See, the gift you wanted, you were overjoyed to have. 
The one that you didn't want, you were like, how can I re-gift this? And, and honestly, the cub jersey, I wouldn't re-gift it to anybody. I don't want to put anybody through that punishment. But, but the thing is, you're trying to think, how can I get rid of this? But how can I seem gracious? And okay, I got to put on a smile and say, I really like this. Thank you. See, John's purpose was to prepare the hearts of the people and make them aware of their need for Jesus. That gift that we're so excited about, it's something that we need, it's something that we want. If you don't think you need Jesus, you will never accept his gift. On Christmas, many people will gladly receive gifts while they reject the greatest gift that was ever given to them through Jesus Christ. Gifts are oftentimes rejected because people don't think they need repentance. They may understand the need for forgiveness. I think most of us kind of understand that. But we're not going to the right place for forgiveness. And because we don't go to the right place for forgiveness, we let that burden weigh us down because we're trying to get forgiveness from people and from other stuff or doing certain things instead of going through Christ and, and accepting the forgiveness he has to offer. True forgiveness. John preached baptism of, a baptism of repentance for forgiveness. Baptism was a one-time event that was administered by another, but it was connected with repentance and forgiveness of sins. And so John was telling people, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And repentance means that we're going to turn away from our old life. But see, if you don't think you need to repent, there's no reason to turn away. And there's no reason to accept the gift. I'm a good person, and, and the line that God draws with good people is just behind me. I'm just on the right side of that good line, so I don't really need a Messiah. I can do what I want to do. And John was saying, that's not true. And as Christians, we have to lovingly let people know, yes, you are a good person, but are you as good as Jesus if you're going to go down that path? And the answer is no. See, without that birth, we, don't, we can just say, well, I'm better than John, I'm better than Kevin, I'm better than Bob, so I, therefore I must be okay with God. But see, when you put yourself in the line with Jesus, it doesn't work that way. This paves the way what John was doing for what we call Christian baptism, an act commanded by God for the person who has placed their faith in Jesus, who has confessed Jesus and wanting them as his Lord, their Lord, repenting of their sins. And then at that point, we're baptized into Christ for our sins are washed away. We receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and we rise out of the baptistry, a new creation, a new birth similar to that baby in the manger. We're a new birth and it's amazing. But yet sometimes I think even Christians don't believe that because we allow ourselves, we allow ourselves to be burdened down with our past. We still carry the, the guilt from the past. We still let the past define us. See, for those of us who have children, who've had children, when we, that birth, it changes things. Your life's not the same. You know, you're single and you're living it up. You're doing what you want to do. And all of a sudden, wah, <laughs> change my diaper, wah, feed me. And then when they get older, dad, can I have a lot of money? You know, and you're like, then the daughter sits on the lap and you hand them the checkbook and say, here, have whatever you want to have. I'm so glad to have my daughter home this weekend. But the fact is that, <laughs> When you're baptized into Christ, your sins are forgiven. Let them go. You know why they're forgiven? Because a baby that was in the manger, the Son of God, who allows us to have these things. Isaiah saw it coming, and I got to believe that his heart went from, oh man, I got to keep telling these people this stuff, to awesome. I got a message of hope. And Christmas should be a time of hope, a time of comfort and joy. We prepare our houses generally, most of us do, when co company comes over, especially for special guests or family members who haven't been by for a long time to see you. We clean the house, we vacuum the carpet, we, we wear nice clothes, we cook good meals. We get things ready because we want the person that's coming in to feel welcome. And somehow we've equated a, a spotless house to making them feel welcome. But anyway, but how are we preparing our hearts and minds and homes for the coming of Jesus? See, John prepared the way for the ministry of Jesus. What are we doing to prepare that way for people in their lives? The call to proclaim and prepare didn't end with John the Baptist. We too have a responsibility to declare and prepare people for Jesus. It began with the birth, and it appeared to end with the death of that child as an adult. But that child, Jesus, defeated death. That child is my Jesus and if you've given your life to him, is your Jesus. 
Jesus gave me the greatest gift ever. And believe me, I had a lot of forgiveness I needed. I needed a lot of guilt to be taken away. But he's forgiven me for my sins. He's given me eternal life. And he's given me that opportunity to live for him. What do you want for Christmas? What do you need for Christmas? If you don't have Jesus, he's who you need because he'll change your life. Everything else goes along with it. The things that we thought were important aren't as important anymore. But telling people about Jesus, showing them what Jesus has done in our lives, showing them that baby in the manger is important to us, important enough to us that we allowed him to become an adult and we know that we need to follow him. Our application is that we proclaim Jesus and prepare our lives to receive him and we help others to do the same. The message of Christmas doesn't end in the manger and we need to share that with people. This morning, we're going to sing a song of decision and if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've not accepted the greatest gift of Christmas, today's a good day to do it. We are closing in on Christmas. It's tomorrow morning. Uh, this evening we'll have our, our obviously our Christmas Eve program. But if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come forward this morning to do that. God sent his son, and his son lived the life. He experienced the things that we experience, so he understands our hurts. You don't have to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm too ashamed because he doesn't know what I've done. He does know what you've done, and he still loves you. So if you'd like to accept the greatest gift ever given, we invite you to come forward this morning. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. And if you need prayer, if you'd like to come forward, I'd be glad to pray with you or one of our elders, Roger, would. But if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward this morning as we stand and sing our song of decision.
Good morning, everyone. Aren't you all awake when you first stepped out the door this morning? If you weren't awake then, you're definitely not awake now. Jeff, thanks an awful lot. You know, when you approach the gift that's been given to anyone who will take it, how spectacular is it? It's, you can't express once you have received and accept the gift. The Lord's greatest gift to all his men and women, that is a spectacular understanding. We have to look at ourselves. You know, one day... Uh, I'll confess to you. I decided I would go as long as I could without sinning. Well, I, I won't tell you how short the period was. <laughs> Remember that thought, word, and deed? It ain't the deed all the time that convicts you. So, you, 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 you're at the mercy of not ignorance, but fallenness. Grace. Grace is the gift that's offered to each and every one of us every breath of our lives. But just like the little kid who really wanted that special toy, unless we take it, and put it into use, we don't have it. So, I thought a little bit, and it came to me quicker than I wanted. And so I said, nah, I just can't be the one to use for the communion meditation. It's Romans 6, 14. And it goes exactly like this from the New King James Version. For sin shall be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Knowing this, you're ready every day you're willing to accept grace. What love Jesus must have. You hear this in Scripture. It simply says, no greater love than has anyone than to give up his life for someone else. Jesus, God, without flinching, without thinking it over, stepped up and went somewhere he wasn't prepared to go. God doesn't belong in hell. But that was the only way he could get you and I out of the place we had put ourselves. 
So no greater love has a God in the form of Jesus Christ and the love of his Father to rescue each one of us. Think this over as we meditate over this communion. Let us pray. We are thankful that the Lord Jesus has placed us under his grace and will keep us there. As we go forward in our lives, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father step up any time we need their love and understanding. Please forgive us, Lord, for our sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. We are truly sorry and ask, Lord, that we be forgiven and ask that you listen and look at our repentance. We pray this prayer in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. On the inside of your bulletin, we have announcements for this week. Uh, there are no activities this evening. Jerry's groups aren't meeting, but we have our Christmas Eve service at 6 p.m. tonight. It lasts right about an hour, a little bit less, and we really encourage you to be here. Bring your friends and family. Uh, Dale has put together a great production that will be a lot of fun, and we hope to see you. Uh, the office is closed on Monday, obviously, because of Christmas. I told Crystal she can actually have the day off. Um, <laughs> We have no uh, studies on Wednesday. Uh, we have band practice, of course, on Thursday and praise team practice on Wednesday. Um, uh, you've read the announcement. There's an announcement about the offering envelopes. Remember, if you used them last year, you have one with your name on it in the back. Do not use your previous year's offering envelopes once 2024 starts because we had to change some numbers. Narrow Path, we're getting ready to meet on January 13th. We're going on the fort, man. It's going to be fun. Um, it's gonna be, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Make sure you have your pass to get on Fort before you come, or else they're gonna, you're going to have to go get one when you get there, and it, sometimes it can take some time, so make sure you do that. Also, you see a note about a change we made that the leadership team made and the uh, missions team made, and so make sure you look at that. In a sense, what we're doing is we, when people give offerings, we only are going to have an outreach category. We don't have individual outreaches. Uh, for that. Uh, that way the outreach committee can use it how they want. And if you want to support an individual outreach, you can, we'll give you their address and you can send that directly to them. And that does something for the outreach too. It lets them know who's supporting them so that they can come back and give you information. 
Also, we're moving um, CareNet into outreach and we're moving Operation Christmas Child into missions. And there, it, we do that because strategically it works a little bit better for what we do. So there's a note about that. Also sent out an email on Friday. I believe that's all the announcements we have. We hope we see everybody this evening. On the back of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns. Make sure you uh, lift those up. Um, also, just as a side note, I got a, a message from Gloria. Sure. It's not good news for her. Her cancer's gotten to her lungs, and she, it's, she doesn't probably have a lot of time. So keep Gloria back in your prayers. We have other people we've been praying for with various issues. Keep them lifted up in your prayers. We have our shut-ins we're praying for. We're fo uh, focusing on all the outreaches this month and also for missions TCMI. And so we ask that you take note of those. So at this time, let's stand together. I'll give you a moment to lift up your hearts in silence, and then I'll close us in prayer, and our praise team will lead us out in a song this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to come together this morning. We pray for everyone that we've put in our bulletin and on our prayer sheet, Lord, that you're, you're with them and help us to continue to lift them up to you. Father, we thank you for the blessings we have in you. We thank you that we can celebrate Christmas, that we have the fact that Jesus is the reason for the season because he came, he lived his life, he died, he was resurrected on the third day, and he's seated at your right hand. Lord, I pray that we can share that message with people around us. And Father, I pray this, that we have a great week in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.